All right, good morning. Um, I heard a... This has... This just popped into my head. I, I was... Uh, listening to this guy who uh, is not a Christian, but uh, went to a Christian concert. And he goes, man, those Christians really enjoy their music. Like, he goes, I really like worship music. You know, like you go to a, a Guns N' Roses concert, you know, and everyone's head is down like this, you know, and they don't look very excited. But Christians are smiling and they're looking up and it looks like they're really enjoying themselves. You know, he goes, I really like that. So I, I thought I'd just toss that out because... You know, I, I agree. I, I really like worship music, and I really like worshiping with you guys together. It's, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, definitely good to be here. Uh, so, the last two weeks uh, have been a whirlwind uh, of scheduling for me. Uh, I went to eight graduations, um, and... Uh, so it was, it was a lot, you know, like some of them were, were definitely cutting it close. I had, uh, twice I had it where I had two on one day. So I was, uh, at one, you know, uh, on, uh, on Daniel Henderson's, uh, graduation. I sat there, waited for his name to be called, went, woohoo! And I was like, alright, Rich, Nancy, see you later. I'm off to my next one, uh, <laughs> and zipped off to another one. Uh, I did a similar thing on Friday. Uh, you know, I had two graduations. One was at four o'clock and one was at six o'clock and I was picking up somebody in between that, you know, so it was, you know, finish the four o'clock one. Okay, good. They're going really fast. Uh, they didn't even have people walk. They just had people stand up, um, and then sit back down. Hey, that's how they did it. You know, it worked fast. It was great. You know, so we got done and we were out, you know, and we went off to the six o'clock one and we made it on time and like, it, it just went so smooth. Um, but going to, to, to eight graduations, uh, you know, it, it meant a few things for me. First of all, uh, I got to see eight people graduate. If you just graduated in the last couple weeks, will you stand up? Is any of them in here? All right, there they are. Woo! There's a few of them. Yeah, I got to see all those. Uh, Timmy's was exciting, too. I showed up at his school, which, uh, foolish me, uh, his graduation was actually at the Shark Tank. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I was like, man, why is it so empty here? And, uh, and sure enough, Timmy's dad drives by. <laughs> Matt and I go, hey. He goes, you think it's here, don't you? I go, yep. He goes, follow me. It's at the Shark Tank. <laughs> uh, so we both headed over there and both got to see him graduate, which was, uh, which was really cool. Um, eight graduations. I heard pomp and circumstance eight times. Uh, so I started making up some lyrics uh, for it. So uh, if you want to hear some lyrics to Pomp and Circumstance after, uh, they're definitely hilarious and uh, would love to share them with you. Uh, I heard the same speeches, kind of, you know, like the same vibe to, to every single speech. Uh, you know, all of them talked about their future careers, you know, whether it was from uh, a staff member, um, you know, talking to the students or whether it was the student just kind of talking about where life had been and, and you know, they're, where they're going. Uh, I, I heard the same vibe through, through all of these different speeches. I think I heard the same quote from Gandhi like two or three times. Uh, you know, maybe they're getting them online and just kind of borrowing this thing. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, all of them talked about 
you know, their future and, you know, their plans for what's coming next. And they're so excited uh, about uh, going into high school or going into college. Um, they, they all talked about careers. Why is it that doctors and lawyers, you know, are, are the two careers that are always mentioned? You know, you guys are headed out and you're going to become doctors and lawyers. And they might mention a couple, but doctors and lawyers seem to always be the ones that are, that are in there for some reason. Um, so I heard that eight times too. Um, and uh, they would often, you know, talk about, you know, looking back and reflecting on the things that they've learned, you know, and remembering the things that they've learned to prepare them for the future. In other words, they, they don't want to let uh, those years that they've just invested go to waste at all. You know, they don't want to be like, well, that was pointless. Now I'm finally off to something that actually matters. You know, no, they, they want to say, yes, this was valuable for me. I learned from this. This was something that was great. This is something that, that meant something to me. Um, <clears throat> and so as, as they talked, be it, be it a, a staff member imparting wisdom or be it a, a student uh, imparting some wisdom as well, uh, just saying, you know, I don't want to waste uh, I don't want to feel like the time that we just invested was a waste. You know, I want to take it and use it and, and do something with it in the future. Uh, and it also meant one other thing. It means that summer's here. Right? Come on, students. Yeah, summer. Woohoo! Teachers, woohoo! <laughs> summer's here. All right. Lots of free time, right? Sleeping in, relaxing a little bit, no homework. Well, maybe some of you have some summer reading to do. Uh, I don't know. Um, parents, sign some summer reading, huh? Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's, uh, there's lots of free time where there, there wasn't before. And uh, for many of you, that means you know maybe a relaxed work schedule. Or maybe that means you got some vacation planned as a family. Or uh, maybe just it simply means that there's more hours where everyone's at home together. You're not as much rushing off and, okay, I have to get this person here and this person here. And, you know, I'm going to say hi real quick. Okay, good to see you, son. I'll see you next week. And, uh, you know, whatever it is. And it's go, go, go. And the summer's a time where, like, you get to just be together a little bit more. And so the, the challenge is and the question is, what do you do with all that time? You obviously don't want to waste it. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Don't waste your life. Uh, it's a nice big picture on your bulletin. And there it is on the screen as well. Don't waste your life. We don't, don't want to waste it. Uh, there's a book by this title. And uh, this book, uh, before I ever finished reading it, it sat uh, in the passenger seat of my car. This was years and years ago, but it just sat there because, you know, I just never had the time to actually sit down and open it up. But even just that, that title, staring right at me, was just a, a good reminder. You know, I'd, I'd look down and be like, oh, yeah, okay, don't waste my life. Good. Um, you know, just a helpful thing. And so that's why I wanted to make it nice and big, you know, so that at, at least, you know, you've got this just as a good reminder for you. You know, leave it in your car. Leave it somewhere where you can see it as, as a great reminder. Um, but we're going to dive in uh, some more to this uh, because the Bible talks about this. Um, Paul got this message. Paul got this message and uh, understood this idea and communicated it loud and clear. 
in Philippians 1.21, he says, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, in here, he says, to live is Christ. Now, what does that mean? Now, um, you know, I've heard this verse many, many times, but, uh, you know, I, I busted out a couple commentaries and, and what have you, and, and they all referred me to Galatians 2.20, which, again, is something else that Paul said. Take a look at this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body, or the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, now that I am walking in Christ, (coughs) excuse me, now that I'm walking in Christ, my life is no longer my own. I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm living for Christ. And so that's what he was saying in uh, Philippians chapter 1 when he says, for me to live is Christ. He's saying, this life is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. I'm living for God. And while I'm here, I'm doing everything that he asks of me. I'm pursuing him. I'm reaching out to others to let them know about him. And to die is gain. Hey, if I die, party time in heaven. That's okay. But while I'm here, I'm serving Christ. He got this idea of not wasting your life. And that's uh, really what we're going to be diving into. What, what does it really mean uh, to not waste your life? And how do you know if you're wasting it or not? Let's pray. God, I do just ask, uh, as we dive into your word this morning, God, as we uh, look at various passages, God, that uh, we'll see what you want with our lives We'll see what you desire from us. Uh, We'll see what you have asked of us. God, help us to listen with with open ears and open hearts. And uh, God, as I speak, continue to work in my heart as well, uh, as this never gets easy. This is always a challenge and always something that needs to be on the forefront of our minds because it goes so contrary uh, to what culture says. God, we live in a world where, where culture says that uh, it's all about you and, and you need to live your life for you so that you can uh, retire early, so that you can relax, so you can buy that uh, second house, so you can uh, take all those vacations. But God, you call us to something higher, something greater than that. And so God, just uh, help this be uh, a good day of just eye-opening for some, and just help this be a great reminder for others as we talk about this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to be hopping around and looking at a bunch of different passages, but um, to, to look at this question, am I wasting my life, uh, we really got to take a look at the status of two different things, and we're going to talk about these two different things this morning. Um, status of relationships. And the status of direction. Take a look at relationships. We're going to take a look at direction. Uh, so those are the two key words that you really need this morning. If you want to write those two down uh, on your bulletin, you're more than welcome to. Just as a reminder, like these are the two things that we're going to look at this morning. Relationships and direction. First of all, Relationships. Am I right with God, and am I right with others? We're going to be looking at relationships with God and our relationship with others. 
Our life is all about relationships. And this is clearly evident as you walk through these pages. It began in the garden with a relationship. God desired a relationship. He created Adam. He created Eve. He had this intimate relationship that none of us will really ever be able to understand. He had this perfect, intimate, deep relationship with these two and enjoyed spending time with them. And then that relationship was horribly broken, horribly severed. Because Adam and Eve wanted to take control of their own lives. They said, no, we don't need to listen to you. And that relationship was broken. But God didn't give up. And he uh, made a way for there to be a relationship. You know, he, he uh, gave the Ten Commandments. He talked about sacrifice. He gave them the tabernacle. And uh, gave his chosen people a way to have a relationship. And then at just the right time, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to say, here's how we're really going to have a relationship. And Jesus showed up to say, hey, I'm here to seek and to save that which was lost. Desiring to restore that broken relationship. He died on a cross and was rose again. Amen? Amen. Amen. And uh, he went up to heaven but said, hey, I know I'm leaving, but I'm sending you somebody else. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And now through the Holy Spirit, we can have an intimate relationship with God. And so you see this progression throughout the Bible of this desire for relationship. And relationships break and relationships are restored. But this is why we're here. Our life is all about relationships. And our most important relationship is with God. Our most important relationship is with God. Look at what Jesus has to say. I know it's small, but if you've got your Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus makes a really challenging statement here. He says, let me show you how important a relationship with me is. Starting in verse 34. Matthew 10, starting in verse 34. He says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That's a quote out of the book of Micah. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, that's what Paul was talking about. For me to live as Christ... Now that I'm walking with God, my life is not my own anymore. And Jesus calls us to something high. Loves His Father more than me is not worthy of me. What's wrong with loving your parents? 
Nothing. Absolutely not. But Jesus is saying, I come first. Everybody else comes second. I come first. It's a high, high calling. So the first relationship to do is status check on is your relationship with God. How am I doing in my relationship with God? For those of you that that don't have a relationship with God at all, man, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Come find me. Let's chat. I'd love to tell you about what it means to have a relationship with God. The value of it. Why I have given up my life and said, I'm, I'm living by Jesus' rules, not mine. I'm living for that relationship with Jesus. I'd love to tell you about it. I'd love to tell you why I do that. For those of you that do know Christ, you know how right you are or aren't with God. No one in this room knows better than you where you're at with God. And the first step towards not wasting your life is getting right with Him. Let me talk a little bit more about this. Let me show you a little bit more of of what I mean. If you want to flip over, you can, uh, to Psalm 51. I'm going to read a, a good chunk of this because I think this really illustrates what it means to get right with God. Uh, if you've got uh, an NIV, it says in there, um, this is a Psalm of David, uh, and it was written when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery uh, with Bathsheba. Now, there was more that went on in there. There was a murder that happened, and you know, just David made compromise after compromise after compromise, bad choice after bad choice after bad choice, and just got deep into sin. And did things that I'm sure he never planned on. Um, And Nathan shows up. Nathan the prophet shows up and convicts him. And here's what he says. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. 
This is a guy that realized he needed to get his relationship right with God. He was deep in the midst of sin. He was doing things he shouldn't have been doing. And he realized the error of his ways and came and just fell before God. Begging for forgiveness. Begging to make things right again. Blot out my transgressions, he says. Cleanse me. Hide your face from my sins. So maybe this morning, you need to get right with God in some way. Maybe you've been walking with Him, but maybe recently you haven't been taking your sins seriously. Maybe you're not spending enough time with Him in prayer. Maybe you're not diving into His Word enough. Whatever it may be, it's time to get things right with Him. How do you not waste your life? You get things right with God, first and foremost. There's not enough uh, time to get everything right with God right now. But if you know you need to get right with God, if you know you've got some work to do, I encourage you this morning to commit to doing so. There is no need to stand up, no papers to fill out, no dotted line to sign on. This is between you and God. So what we're going to do is we're just going to take the next minute or two in silence. And this is your opportunity to tell God that you're committing to get things right with Him. Just saying, God, look, we need to talk. So let's set up some time later today. Let's set up some time this week. And I'm going to sit down and start working through this stuff with you. If you don't have business with God to do right now, I encourage you uh, to pray for those that do. So let's just take a couple minutes right now to commit to getting things right with God. God, you know where each and every one of us is at. God, you know that this life is a journey, too. That uh, we don't always get things right. In fact, we're never going to get things right. Uh, but God, at the same time, you, you challenge us to pursue perfection. You challenge us to pursue having that right relationship with you. And so God, for each and every one of us in this room who has committed to uh, spending some extra time with you this week to, to get things right, God, I pray that you remind us of that and, and convict us of that. and um, God, make sure that we do it. God, we're asking you to, to hold us accountable to that. God, stir in our hearts and remind us that this is something that we need to do. And uh, God, for those that just aren't ready for that right now and... Um, God, I just pray that you stir in their hearts as well. And um, God, just uh, help them to see that uh, a right relationship with you is, is better than anything else that could ever be offered. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So that's... Uh,
That's step number one, is uh, getting things right with God. Uh, but also, it's, a, it's important to get things right with others. Uh, look at what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 5. He says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your uh, brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Get things right with others as well. It's... Well, I'll say it this way. So, um, when I uh, graduated from high school, uh, one of the cool things we got to do in our yearbook, because there were only 60 of us in our graduating class, and we were the first big class, um, <laughs> there wasn't a whole ton to put in the yearbook, and uh, so instead of getting like one little quote that we could put by our picture, we got a half of a page uh, to, to write all this stuff that we wanted to. And a lot of people would write to their friends and put in little inside jokes and all this kind of stuff, you know. And I did exactly the same, and I think I used like four-point font to fit everything in and all the comments that I had to make to everybody. And, uh, you know, so got that in and, and, and put that out there. And... Uh, as I was reading through some of my fellow seniors when we actually got our yearbooks, I saw one and I was like, he said it perfectly. I should have said that. Here's what he said. Now remember, I've, I've listed a number of different names, you know, made comments to certain teachers, uh, intentionally excluded some other teachers that I wasn't too fond of, you know, whatever it may be. And here's what he said. He said, to all my friends... You know who you are. If you think you belong here, you probably do. I didn't write your name because if I accidentally forgot you, you'd probably get, you'd probably be mad at me. And life is too short to spend it being angry. I read that. I was like, yes, that's exactly it. And I've hung on to that, you know, and I, I, I know this guy, and uh, we still try to stay in touch here and there. And I, I, I made some comment to him when I first read it. I'm like, dude, that was brilliant. And he goes, I don't know. I just didn't want to bother putting down everybody's name or whatever it was. You know, like, he was very not like, yes, I know. Thank you. Like, he wasn't, like, overly proud of it or anything. You know, he just kind of just wrote from his heart in a sense and that one little comment that he made in this yearbook like, is something that I've hung on to for so long. Life is too short to spend it being angry. I thought that was just so great. And I've, I've really tried uh, to, to live my life that way. Really tried to just, you know, if I've got an issue with someone, I go to that person and I talk to them and I deal with it and, and that's it and it's done. You know, a, a lot of times we, we walk around with our, with our church faces on. Our church faces are, you know, the smiling one. Hi, how are you? Oh, everything's fantastic, you know. God bless you. You know, good to see you this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, uh, whatever cliches we, we toss out with that, and we just keep this smile on our face. You know, maybe it's because we're genuinely that way, and if so, fantastic, you know. Or maybe it's because... I just 
don't want to get into it today. I just really don't. And there's all this stuff that's built up inside of me that, you know, I, I just don't want to talk about it today. Whatever it may be. But shouldn't this building, shouldn't these people be the place to just spew it out and say, blah, here's what's going on. Pray for me. Here's what's going on. Support me in this. Help me out. Can we just take a couple minutes and talk about this? I've been waiting all week for just somebody to just kind of vent to a little bit. Will you listen to me for a little bit? Shouldn't church be a place for that? I would think so. Jesus makes a point of it. Hey, go deal with this stuff, and and then you can come and worship together. Go deal with it first, though. Don't play the games. Don't play the, oh, well, I'm waiting for them to talk to me, or, you know, like, just go deal with it. Go deal with it. Life is too short to spend it being angry. So relationships. Check the status of your relationships. How, how are your relationships doing? Are you right with God? Are you right with other people around you? That's one way to check uh, if you're wasting your life. Second, direction. Check the status of your direction. Um, when I was in... Uh, elementary school and, and going into junior high, uh, I was part of this like after school program, something or other. And uh, we got to go and do all these different things. And we got to go and like see elephant seals. And we got to go and uh, go to the Children's Discovery Museum before it opened up to the public. Uh, and got to go and, and do all these different, uh, different things. And one of the things we got to do was we got to sit and kind of learn chess and learn more than like this is the pawn, and it does this, and this is the rook, and it does this. Like, learn, like, strategy and, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I got really into it and enjoyed it and, uh, you know, really, really enjoyed playing chess for a while. Now, these are two chess pieces um, that you may or may not recognize. Uh, the one to the right, the one with the little cross on top, is the king, and the one to the left is the queen. Now, the, the queen is the most powerful piece on the board. The queen can move any number of spaces uh, in a straight line, uh, in a diagonal line. So the queen has more power than any other piece on the board. Now, the king, right next to it, is the most important piece on the board. The king can only move one space at a time. So the king is very limited in how he moves. But the goal of chess is to capture the other king. Now, me, being the way that I am, uh, and learning all these different strategies, uh, I learned this, this quick strategy, which took like five or six moves, and you could get the other person's queen. And I was like, this is so cool, you know, and I'd try it. And, you know, if they did this counter move, I knew a couple counter moves to get back to that, you know. And, and my goal when I played was like, get the queen, get the queen, get the queen, you know, like, and then they just, you know, then I'll just kill him. But the problem that uh, started to occur is that I'd be so focused on the queen and so focused on what the queen was doing that oftentimes with other pieces, 
uh, the other player would capture my king, and I'd lose. Why? Because I wasn't focused on the right goal. I wasn't headed in the right direction. Is it good to capture a queen? Absolutely. But that's just a step towards the actual goal, which is capturing the king. And this totally connects to life. If we're headed after the wrong thing, if we're headed in the wrong direction, uh, then we're going to miss it. You know, I love playing board games, and, and whenever I, I teach somebody else a board game, we've got a huge stack of board games at our house. By the way, if you ever want to come over and play a board game, you just give me a call, give Laura a call. We'd love to have you over. Um, but I, I always start in teaching a board game by saying, okay, here's the goal. And especially with some of the more complicated uh, games that we have, I say, okay, remember, what's the goal? To get 10 points. Or what's the goal? To do this or whatever. Right, okay, stay focused on that. Okay, now let me tell you about this, this, this over here, which is okay or whatever, but remember, this is the goal. Because if you get sidetracked, if you get focused on something else, you're not going to win the game. And the same happens in life. What is my goal in life? What should my goal be? For Christians, it's, it's, it's spelled out. Now, for some of you may, may feel like it's like this. You're like, man, there's all these different directions pointing all these different ways, all these different things I could do. It's so confusing to me. Which one do I pick? Which direction do I go now? But like I said, for Christians, it's, it's nice and easy. It's like this. One arrow pointing one direction. This is all that there is. Nice and easy. Here it is. Uh, it's in the book of Ecclesiastes. And... Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, I've, I've done a number of studies on this. I've, I've taught it a couple of times, and I love the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon, who uh, is the wisest man that ever lived. He sat down to answer the question, what is the meaning of life? What, what are we here for? And he goes, and uh, not only is he the wisest man, but he's also a king, so he's got uh, infinite amounts of, of wealth, and just like the world is at his fingertips, so he can have anything he wants at all. And so he sits down, and he takes a look at the, just the, the scope and breadth of life and says, what is the meaning of life? And he looks at, man, is work the meaning of life? Is relationships the, you know, Investing in friendships, the meaning of life is uh, having uh, lots of women, the meaning of life is uh, money, the meaning of life, you know, amassing amounts of wealth. And, and he goes through all these things. Is it pleasure, you know, like going and taking all these trips and, uh, and, and he goes and he looks at all of this. And uh, in chapter 12, he says this. Now all has been heard. He's literally sat down and looked at everything and taken time and experienced it. Now, all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Let me sum it up for you. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Or in this version it says, for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it. That's what it is. See the focus? The focus is on God, not on others, not on any other thing. The focus is on God. 
There it is again. Paul just pointed it again. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Fear God, keep his commandments. Man, I'm running after Jesus. Live in life for him, not for myself. Paul knew this, and he ran after it. This is a passage, uh, if it's too small for you, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 24. And uh, this is a passage that when uh, we were, how old, Mom? I was in fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. Uh, we were at a camp at Mount Hermon, and we had to memorize these four verses for our camp. And so our family memorized them. Do you still remember them, Ruth? Uh, it says, Do you not know that all runners uh, run in a race, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to win. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do this to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So I do not fight like a man fighting aimlessly. Or I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is focused on one thing here. All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run to get the prize. And then he goes on and he says... Everyone who competes goes into strict training. They do this to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So know what you're running after. You're running after Jesus. You're running after that relationship with Him. You're running for that future hope, that future life in heaven, where you get to have that relationship be finally perfect and complete in everything you've wanted it to be. Which it will never be in this life. And, you know, yes, He sent the Holy Spirit, and we're working on that relationship with Him. But man, when we get to heaven... We get to fall at the feet of our God and worship forever. How beautiful and amazing. And that relationship will finally be fully and 100% restored. That's the prize. That's what we're running after. That's what Paul's talking about. Run to win. Run to win. You know, this life is not easy. It's a race. It's a struggle. It's a war. We've talked about that the last few weeks as we've been talking about the armor of God. We've talked about how we're in a battle. We're fighting. And we should be thinking that way. We should absolutely be thinking that way. In war, people focus on winning. All the thought goes towards, how can I help get closer to victory? But in peace, people focus on how to be more comfortable, how to avoid trouble, how to avoid sin, to try to be a good person. And many Christians live that way. They live by the avoidance ethic, in a sense, avoiding the bad. You know, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid doing bad things. And uh, so it, it... it takes their mentality and, and makes them focused on this question, what's wrong with it? You know, so as they uh, look at life, their, their question is, well, what's wrong with watching this movie? What's wrong with listening to this music? What's wrong with uh, 
going on this vacation? What's wrong with hanging out with these people? What's wrong with, you know, signing up for this? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? That's a totally wrong way of thinking about life. That's a totally wrong way of dealing with this sense of direction. You know, what's wrong with just jogging for this portion of the race instead of really running hard? What's wrong with just kind of taking my time for a little bit? What's wrong, uh, you know, with, with not exercising today or not, not, not getting ready today? What's wrong with going to McDonald's and eating five cheeseburgers right before the race? What's wrong with it? You know, and, and people think with this mentality, and it's, it's such a wrong way. The, the better way to think is to think, is this going to draw me closer to Christ? Or is this going to show other people how much I treasure Christ? Is this action going to get me closer to my Lord and Savior? That's the kind of ethic to live by. That's the kind of way to think is, man, am I getting closer to the prize? Am, am I getting closer to what I want? Are you headed in the right direction? If you're thinking with the, what's wrong with it, you're, you're wasting your life. But if you're thinking with the mindset of, man, how can I get closer to Christ? Man, I really want to take my friend to see this movie because I know that it's focused around these scriptural things so that after that we can sit and we can have a dialogue. Or, man, you know, like this whole May 21st thing that, that just happened, I, I can't wait to sit and have a conversation with my neighbor about it because I'm sure they heard about it. And I'd love to get their insight on it and be able to dialogue with them about it. Or whatever it may be. Thinking about, how does this get me closer to Christ? That's the kind of direction that we need to be pursuing. Jesus was about pursuing a relationship with people. And we need to remember this as we live for Christ and as we share Him with others. Uh, a while ago, I watched this movie and I re-watched it again last night to get it fresh in my mind. It's this movie called Click. Um, and uh, Click was this movie, uh, Adam Sandler, uh, and he uh, goes and gets this universal remote. And this universal remote controls his universe. So uh, the way he figures out the power of this remote is the dogs barking and he hits the volume button just out of a joke, and it, sure enough, it turns the dog's volume down. And uh, he figures out that he's able to pause life. He's able to go back and relive scenes. You know, there's one where he's talking to his wife, and she goes, uh, I heard our song on the radio today. And he's like, uh-oh. And so he hits pause and then goes back and sees, like, their song from the first time they kissed or whatever, and then comes back and he's like, oh yeah, there was this song, and uh, you were wearing this uh, pretty pink sweater. And she goes, oh, you remembered? And he's like, yeah. And he's like super excited about this remote, okay? Um, but it also has the ability to fast forward. So he's able to fast forward through traffic. He's able to fast forward through uh, 
showering and getting dressed every day. He's able to fast forward through arguments with his wife. He's able to, he gets, starts getting sick, and so he fast forwards through his entire sickness. But what happens is the remote starts to take over, and the remote uh, uh, identifies his preferences and fast forwards based on his preferences. And life starts passing him by. And he starts to see like, no, I don't want to miss this. And starts to miss out on things. And uh, at, at one point, he, he, he realizes his real priorities. You know, he realizes the value of family. His, uh, in the movie, he's, he's a workaholic and he's focused on, on work and trying to, uh, to, to get this promotion and to do this and, you know, so that he can take better care of his family. But he's, he's, he's headed in the wrong direction. And because he's so focused on his work, his family lacks because of it. And he, he, he winds up having to work on the 4th of July when he was supposed to take his kids camping and just all this kind of stuff happens. And, and his focus just gets off. He also realizes the value of, of going through those hard times. You know, and, and almost longs for, uh, you know, being able to, to be sick, you know, just so that he can have that time or, or sitting through traffic or whatever it may be. And Paul, Paul worked for the prize. Paul worked for the prize. Sometimes it brought, it brought pain. He says, no, I, I beat my body. I make it my slave. Hey, I got to go through some tough stuff sometimes so that after I have preached to others, I may not be disqualified for the prize. He goes through all of it for the sake of the prize, for the sake of the, the, that final goal, that final hope that we have. And so a, a good status check is for your own direction. Are you headed in the right way? Are you headed for that prize? Are you fighting for it? Are you working towards it? I mentioned I had uh, spoken on uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. I, I taught it a couple of times. And uh, I just took uh, the Valley Church High Schoolers through it about a year ago. Um, and the, the series title was Pursuit. What you chase makes all the difference. And I put these, uh, these four pictures on here of, of, of people or animals chasing. And, and what they're chasing makes all the difference to them. Uh, like I mentioned, Solomon tested different things out and saw like, okay, well, well you know, if, if life is all about pleasure, you know, then... It, then where's the chase in that? And in fact, he, he mentions it. I, I, I just got to read this one verse out of Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 2. He says, uh, he, he, had, he had just looked at pleasures, looking at uh, making all these pre- great projects, uh, and, and enjoying life. He said, I denied nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. 
said worthless, pointless. It was empty. So he talked about this idea of what you chase makes all the difference. What are you running after? If you're running after something valuable, you're going to run wholeheartedly. You know, Dave talked about, uh, you know, running to Milpitas, you know, and, and the first one gets the prize. Well, what's the prize? Right? And he said, if it's a million dollars, you know, a bunch of you would stand up and start running right now. You know, but if it's uh, a McDonald's Happy Meal, you know, you might not be as inclined to, to, to get up and run. Um, what you chase makes all the difference. There's a different energy depending on what you're running after, not on how you're running. And in the series, we used uh, one phrase often. It said it's not about a change of actions. It's a change of perspective. I, I, I tossed it out one week as, as we were going through it, and then I, as I continued to teach through the book, I saw this theme come up again and again and again and again. It's not a change of actions. It's a change of perspective. You know, this guy from Click, will he still have to work? Yeah, Absolutely still has to go to work. It's not changing whether or not you go to work. It's changing your perspective when you're at work. It's not changing maybe necessarily your summer activities. I'm not saying, yep, you got to cut out all your vacations. Up, you can't have any family time. No, not at all. It's a change of perspective. Man, while we're on our vacation, let's, let's take some time and read the Bible together as a family. You know, since we're all together at home for dinner, you know, let's pray together as a family. Let's share prayer requests with each other. It's not a change of actions. It's a change of perspective. You know, I talked about how some people, uh, you know, follow God's law just to follow it, you know, And, and they live trying to avoid sin, trying to do things. Now, should you try to avoid sin? Yes, absolutely. But for what reason? What's the perspective behind it? I'm trying to avoid sin because, man, I just want to be closer to Jesus. Instead of, I'm trying to avoid sin because I know that it's the right thing to do. I'm not, I'm not talking about changing every action necessarily. I'm talking about reevaluating the why behind those actions. So as you're thinking about your direction, as you're thinking about, am I headed in the right direction? doesn't mean you have to change what you're doing. It just means thinking about why am I doing that. Focus on the bigger picture. Focus on the bigger picture. This final passage we're going to look at, and you're more than welcome to flip over there, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is Paul again. He, Paul was a go-getter. Paul ran hard after Jesus. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
Too often we get bogged down with the mundane. A poor driver in front of you can make you angrier than ever. The world stops when you don't get exactly what you ordered. You wait with bated breath for the newest video game to come out. Then you retreat in your room until you've beaten it. Or maybe you spend your hard-earned money to keep up with the latest fashion trends or buy the latest gadgets. Take a step back and realize what really matters. Focus on what's important. John Piper, in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, writes, I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider this story from the February 1998 Reader's Digest. A couple took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. Picture them before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells? That is a tragedy. Again, not that there's anything wrong with collecting shells. Not a change of actions, a change of perspective. Why am I collecting these shells? Is the person that I'm with, am I trying to bring them closer to Christ? Am I trying to get closer to Christ? So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Paul reminds us, for what is seen is temporary. Our light and momentary troubles. I know you're going through, some of you are just going through rough stuff. Really rough stuff. And you say, this isn't light or momentary. This isn't. But you know what? God says it is. Because there's an eternal glory that far outweighs any garbage you're going through. An eternal glory that's waiting for us in heaven where there are zero troubles, where there is zero garbage to trudge through, where there is zero pain, zero tears. A hundred percent joy. A hundred percent glory. A hundred percent rejoicing. So let's fix our eyes on that. As we're going through the garbage, we're saying, hey, it's only for a while. I got to see just a beautiful picture of that uh, on May 13th. Now, uh, Laura went through a lot of pain on on May 11th and 12th. And she wouldn't have told you that it was light or momentary. But there was this beautiful glory that was waiting. And he showed up on May 13th. And oh, what a joy he's been. And that's just a glimpse. That's just a picture of what we're waiting for when we get to heaven. We're going through garbage right now, but there is beauty waiting. I saw this and I felt like this summed it up just so beautifully. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. How do you not waste your life? Right there. Only one life which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, help us just run after you. God, help our direction to just be 
focused on you. God, as we experience our light and momentary troubles, God, help us to be focused on that eternal glory that far outweighs them all. God, as we go through our life, God, help us to remember that it's too short to stay angry at people. God, that we need to get things right with you, that we need to work on our relationship with you. God, for those of us that committed to do so this week, again, just help us to remember to do that. God, help us do it right when we get home, over lunch, or uh, God, just uh, give us some time this afternoon to be able to just kind of have a date with you, just to hang out with you, sit down and get things right with you. God, help us to not waste our life. We've only got one and it's only short. It's a blink of an eye. God, don't let it go to waste. Help us to remember only what's done for Christ will last. And let us live by that focus. In Jesus' name, amen.